Hey, buddy. Hey, dude. How's your uh, how's your break been from uh, the podcast? It's been really short so far. Yeah, it doesn't. It just feels like it's recent. You know, yeah. it really hasn't sunk in that that season one is over. <laughs> just so you understand the voices that are coming at you. Hi, I'm Alex. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, I'm Owen. I am the dungeon master for This Is Gonna Hurt, which is a fifth edition Dungeons and Dragons podcast that we started on May 1st, 2016. So it's already almost been a year, which is nuts. And one of the players and my co host for this uh, biographical episode, I don't know what else to call it, is Alex. Hey guys, it's Alex. I play. Korath, Earthforged Orathane, which just got that nickname now, so that feels pretty good. That was that was good. That was a good, good, good work on that nickname. It sounds better than the original. <laughs> ah, I don't know. Stone Blast was pretty good. I didn't um, feel it rolled off the tongue quite right. All right. Uh, yeah. So this will be. Will this be the? Will this be the first one that we do? All right. Cool. So this will be the first of four little not documentary style but uh yeah really biographical episodes that we will be releasing during the break between season one and season two to give you a little something to listen to these should be coming out every two weeks so essentially what we want to do here is each episode is going to be about uh, one of the four characters that you've you've grown to know and you've, you've learned to love over the course of season one. And this particular episode is going to be about Korath. And so I'm going to be asking Alex a series of questions about Korath so that you, the listener, can get to know him a little bit better. So let's start at the beginning. Give me a brief description of what Korath looks like. Um, you've said things about him in the past. You've referenced pictures. You have a mini that, that the listeners can look at. But, but when you see him in your head, what do you see? Yeah, so Korath as a Goliath, I mean, naturally, he's a very big guy. He's, he's, he's about 7'10". That's what I like decided on when I first created him. And as a Goliath, he, he has pale grayish skin with uh, these kind of blue birthmarks that cover his whole body. And uh, he looks more or less like a, just a large human with just these kind of markings all over the place, which kind of aids in him being able to like kind of blend in in most cities, but I mean, he does look a little out of place because he's so just freakishly tall, right? Covered in head to toe uh, with plate armor because of his paladin training underneath all that. Like he still has like remnants of like his more barbaric time when he like traveled nomadically through the lands with his tribe. Okay. Is there anything, I mean, you mentioned his armor, anything about like his weapons or armor that you want to, you know, highlight specifically about what they look like or what? So his mall, like his his centerpiece object, pretty much the, the I think one of the most like defining things about it, because he uses it to bludgeon just everything that stands in his and his party's way. I think it's where the word sploosh yeah. first got used. He yeah. spl- I, I, I just want to clarify when I said that I said spl- spl- uh, splushed S P L. U S H E D splushed splushed. Uh, so it is yeah. not really the goblin splooshers. They're really the goblin splushers. Okay. That doesn't, um, this doesn't sound as good. It does not sound as good. I just, just for, <laughs> just for continuity sake, I just want to clarify. That's what I said. <laughs> Sorry. Keep going about the mall. Yeah, no, no problem. So the mall is, is like not one of his older items that he holds with him. 
his his like hand axe for instance which i'll get into is like more he has more history to that item but his his molly picked up while he was kind of going through his training with uh the 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 ranks of the brotherhood of the timeless it's it's dwarven it's like a more dwarven based piece of equipment it's so it's very it's got all these like geometric patterns very typical dwarven we've all seen movies and looked at things that like it's like oh yeah that's what dwarven armor looks like or a dwarven sword so it's a little bit larger probably than your average hammer (laughs) and it does a lot more damage than one too cool uh and then also it it hasn't made as many appearances but the times where it has uh, have been like particularly memorable for me, and I I, I would say for Koreth too, since I kind of am him, where uh, he whips where he whips out his uh, his trusty hand axe that he uses as his uh, offhand weapon, but then he uses it as a ranged attack weapon mainly because if he's in close enough, he's not gonna he's not gonna mess around with his tiny little like chipper. He's gonna he's gonna try and bash you upside the head. But his uh, his hand axe is definitely more it's definitely more rustic. It's like it looks like it's just like iron on a basic wood handle with maybe some leathery strips holding it all together. So it's it's much more it's it's kind of like he's had that ever since he was like a little kid. All right. Killing animals for food. (laughs) (laughs) Gotta do what you gotta do. Yeah. We're about to go into backstory a little bit before we do. I know he has a divine focus you've you know you've you mentioned and you're about to talk about probably uh, his time with the brotherhood of the timeless and so just a little bit of what his divine focus looks like i think i don't think we've actually ever really mentioned it in the podcast yeah we we haven't his divine focus i mean it it kind of it it's really boring i guess uh it's it, i i imagine it as just like not so much a circle I imagine it more of like a a Hey Arnold shaped or Stewie from Family Guy shaped head object. So it's kind of like a football shape. Okay. Um, but it's flat. It kind of and then it has a symbol that kind of represents the um, organization, the Brotherhood of the Timeless. But then it has a little variation to it that's a little bit more unique. Each of the members has a little bit of unique aspects in in the graphic of like their like coat of arms and actually a image of what Alex just described you can actually find on Instagram at three different places you can find it on the Instagram for the podcast itself which you can find at gonna hurt D&D you can find it on Alex's Instagram which is a noob 2a2 yeah how do you spell noob n-e-u-b n-e-u-b all right a n-e-u-b 2a a two. You can also find it on my Instagram at gonna hurt DM. And so you can go to any one of those places to see a picture of said amulet and a symbol for the, the symbol for brotherhood the, of the brother timeless. timeless. Yeah. All right. And all right. So then let's jump into a little bit of backstory here. Uh, this is exciting because I know a decent bit about all four characters. And as much as I wanted to keep the players and the listeners in the dark in the beginning, because I I wanted it to be that as, you know, as, as the characters kind of heard about the backstory for the first time, the players would also be hearing about the backstory for the first time. And so they'd react a little bit more naturally to it. Unfortunately, over the course of this really big adventure, there just isn't always time to go into these little details just yet. So my question is, or I guess my 
my request is, could you tell us about Korath's backstory, but only to the point that you feel Korath would have shared with the other characters when, let's say, sitting around a campfire and things like that, you know, when they're just chatting or on the the road, they're riding horses, things like that, things we kind of montage through. What would the other characters know about Korath? Yeah, so as far as what I've, like, when we first started the podcast, like, you requested, we, uh, we, like, I mean, I, I like to do this for any character that I make. I like to, like, write up a pretty in-depth backstory. But Korath, he's, 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 I think he's, he's an open book, so there's not much that I would probably leave out. He started life as a nomad. He traveled around the countries for, uh, with his family, with his family and his clan for most of his life and into his mid-twenties. Does that include a troon? That includes a troon. Whoa. Yeah. So his fam, his his clan would kind of follow the pathway that their ancestors would tr- travel, and they pretty much go just walking in circles. <laughs> uh, but this circle takes uh, the better part of a decade to uh, walk around. So they uh, go along this path, and they visit all these. I wouldn't say holy sites, but sites of importance to them and uh they would visit these sites and that would kind of let them know that they're on the right track and then uh one one time uh, i guess like the most recent time they uh they've been doing this kind of circle they came across one of their this cave that uh is one of the like spots where they would often come to which is like an old it's like an old like crypt maybe but it was a place where they would go and they would worship like the elements of the earth and the mountains and like all the things that like challenge them as Goliaths because challenge is one of the like most important driving factors in Goliath society. And uh, it was being overrun by these bandits and they did what any group of Goliaths would do if something that they consider a sacred site is being defiled. They went in and started clearing the place out. And in the center of it, they found a uh, this drow that was actually like siphoning energy from the uh, the actual mountain that this uh, that this crypt kind of sat beneath. And uh, Korath and his one companion, they weren't able to beat him until Korath heard whispers and from whispers of this like voice that he never heard before coming from the cave and he decided that like that that voice kind of drove him to like get back up and fight with more strength than he ever had before and he was able to defeat his foe and when he and his friend uh exited the cave they found that a group of paladin a paladin brotherhood was actually there as well and they were coming because this was also a site of importance to them. And that's how he was introduced to this group of paladins. And then he went through training with them and uh, met a lot of characters. And uh, I think that's like very good, like kind of gist. Right, just cool. like what happened. Cool. I think at one point you, there was something in Korath's backstory about like a noble. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who he like pissed off or something. Do you, you know, is that something that's. Uh, relevant in any way or what? I mean, if for some reason this noble lives in a troon, me saying that like we passed through a troon, yes, but during a lot of that time, like they really weren't, they weren't really taking too much 
note of the borders that they were crossing. They they didn't see they didn't see these like empires that were that would rise and fall as like permanent fixtures. They really only saw the like actual geography. So during the times when they would go on these paths, it would take them a better part of a decade to get from to actually get back to where they had been previously. So sometimes like a village would pop up nearby and they would maybe they would avoid it. But if it was right in the middle of their way, they would probably walk right through it. And who knows what would happen in that instance. But this one particular village just became more populous. And the um, the the guy who ran it was a real jerk. <laughs> <laughs> so through the multiple times that Korath had been there, he had become a nuisance to this this lord uh and they um kind of have this scorn towards each other and uh that may or may not affect Korath in the future because he doesn't really Korath does not travel with his clan anymore since he decided right. to join the brotherhood okay cool all right so i i'm going to ask you some more specific questions and i'm sure that you these are things that you have not thought about with Korath yet, and that is uh, perfectly fine. Um, I am going to ask that you, you know, make them up on the spot. You know, what I mean, this is this is as better as good a time as any to uh, come up with something. If you really if you say something you really want to retract what you said, we can we can, of course, uh, we can, of course, do that. Nothing from here is really set in stone. But here we go. I, I found this amazing list of questions a couple years ago um, when dealing with character creation i don't know who these people are at all but these two ladies named beth kinderman and nikki walker seriously years ago i found this list and it was a hundred questions that every player should know about their character uh, ranging from the basics to more abstract ideas about their character (laughs) and i i've only ever done it with actually one character of mine where i went through and answered all hundred questions and even though it took forever, you know, I've, I've again, I've never done it again for a character at the end of it. I, I knew that character, I think, better than better than I knew my like self, because a lot of those questions, you can, <laughs> they're hard to answer. But, you know, because I was the creator of this character, I just picked an- answers to these questions. So was this Kurt? Uh, yeah. For, for a character I played in 3.5 uh, named Kurt, I answered, I think, all these questions. And wow. so there's a few different parts to this list. There are seven parts in total and i'm going to ask you a few questions from here and so here we go okay some of them some of them are like goofy and you know you'd think in a D campaign you know when it's so combat based and things like that it'd be irrelevant but i think as you answer some of these questions it paints a picture of who your character really is so here's a question i want to know about korath what is korath's favorite food I mean, I think that's pretty obvious. It's it's a whole hog dinner, right? Okay. Is that's uh? Are there is that is that like a? Isn't that from the Christmas episode? Oh <laughs> yeah, a pork dinner. Oh yeah, a pork, yeah, a pork dinner. dinner. Yeah. All right. Well, well, in Korath's actual story, though, why would you know? Would a hog dinner be something special for the Goliaths? I or? think so because I don't know. They they don't like hogs. Like hogs, like they're not really like mountain dwelling animals and right they, so like goliaths spend most of their time like on these mountain like ranges just traveling along the mountain ranges and they very low rarely come to lowland areas so so like they would only get to experience like those kinds of 
the the sweeter meats, I suppose. Mm. Um, <laughs> occasionally, all right. occasionally. So it any- became like a treat. Are there any side dishes that go with a whole hog dinner or are you, you know, is, is his favorite part, the, just the, the pig meat itself. Marrow. 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 Okay. Marrow. All right. So that was, that was one question. Let's see. What else do we have? I'm just pulling these randomly off of this list. <laughs> this is fun. All right. Question number two. Is there anything Korath would absolutely refuse to do under any circumstances? And why would he refuse to do it? Korath would not he would not he would not inflict more pain on someone that is um either trying to make amends or is uh obviously unable to defend themselves uh Korath I think it was in like rolling his character like the one one thing where it's like it's like Korath does not like bullies and if he was a bully like that would that would not be cool mm. to him where does Korath see himself in five years? Assuming, re- assuming he survives, you know, the potential catastrophe that is occurring in Etrun. I mean, Kor- Korath is, is a nomad through and through. Uh, he doesn't travel with his, his actual tribe anymore, but through the brotherhood that, he, that he's with, like, it's essentially his, like, duty to kind of zigzag not not by any assignment really but just like by like follow like the follow the path that the kind of the world like takes him on to all these like sites of importance that might may or may that might already be important to or may be worthwhile to actually protect within the eyes of like the brotherhood of the timeless like that's essentially their 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 role is to essentially just like keep these natural these like kind of natural forces and these things that are like older than history essentially uh make sure they're not being used like maliciously or incorrectly uh to be more correct I all guess. right does he have to ref- this isn't one of the questions i was you know on this list but just something i thought of is does he have to like check in with his order at all or is are they kind of like once they're trained they're just kind of like Sent out to do good. If they find that they're like close to like, actually, the um the they actually do not really have a home base because the only thing that they have closest to a home base is um, uh, the Brotherhood of the Timeless has has like one central location, but really there's there's very few members that actually reside there. It often will get flooded with um like new recruits like. When people are when people are brought into the fold of the of the brotherhood, they are uh, they are pretty much they are pretty much brought in with this entire group of other recruits, and there's only like a, a couple uh, like more experienced individuals that are kind of like recruiting for for the this organization, and then they'll they'll just travel from wherever they picked up all these people to this kind of central location. And that central location really only has like the grandmaster of the order that resides there. But then other than that, like no one else is kind of there. And then I'll, and then they just kind of float around. If they if for some reason there's a great disturbance, they might I mean, the powers that be might kind of attract a, multiple members of the order to one location. Uh, if for some reason there's like some weird thing where like, you know, there's like a land where there was like never earthquakes, but then all of a sudden there started to become like earthquakes. Like, (laughs) 
that kind of thing. Like, or a desert that just like formed out of nowhere. Okay. Like. So here's my, here's my question. I mean, I think whether accidentally or unintentionally, which are the same thing, um, Korath can maybe more than anyone else in his order might've gotten ahead of this thing in a troon. Would you imagine that other members of the order you know, would come to a troon to kind of investigate what's going on. I do, uh, okay. because Korath, al- although he's like, I I would say, the escapades of the goblins bluchers have kind of proven this. Like Korath is is a very capable warrior. He's not the most exp- he's not by a long shot the most experienced member of the order. There's there's definitely members that span multiple generations. Like his, the 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 man like the dwarf who taught him is a couple hundred years old the 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 human uh d- uh druid slash paladin uh who kind of runs the show like no one knows how old he is like oh, uh, like it's just like it's like oh you're like three hundred something years old how old is the grandmaster and it's like oh I don't even know he was when I started he he like looked exactly the same and I was I've been here for two hundred years <laughs> do you think a catastrophe to this level would attract those higher ups, or do you think they would kind of trust their, their, you know, the, the ones they've trained to kind of just come handle this kind of business? Well, so the, so the, like the grand marshal of, of the order, uh, the dwarf paladin who kind of taught Korath the ropes and whatnot, he, he, he's often, he's never, really staying in the one spot. He's only ever in the main like hold of the of the brotherhood once the the flood of new recruits every couple of years makes its way back to that location. But otherwise he's either recruiting in new members of the fold or he is doing what any of the other members of the organization are doing, kind of just making sure the like ev- all is right with these these like energies and whatnot. Right. So yeah, some like a few of them, yes. Uh the 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 grandmaster, um, I don't know if he would he kind of he 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 seems bound somehow to okay. the place he resides. Uh so kind of back to a five year plan. Five years he's probably be doing something similar. Yeah. Just he'll, moving around. He'll be moving around. Uh I, I couldn't say if he would still be in a troon or if um, Again, that's assuming that he's alive. This, this, well, one, that he's alive, and, and two, that this uh, the cataclysm kind of has resolved itself by that, you know, in a reasonable, in a reasonable time. Right. We're gonna go for this one. Is Korath a virgin? <laughs> oh, that's cool. Uh, if I... not, when and with whom did he lose his virginity? <laughs> okay, let's do this. <laughs> <laughs> I never thought about that too much. There would be two candidates for this list, I suppose. Uh, actually, no, no. I would, I, I would assume, no, he is not. And with whom? I didn't really put too much effort into naming too many people from his clan, but I would assume since he was, since he was like twenty, like four, twenty five when he left. When he left, I would assume it, it probably would have been someone from his from his tribe because Goliath in Goliath society like there isn't really that big of a difference between like I'd like a, like young young adults and like adults like 
if you're more than like 15, 16 years old, you're expected to be able to hold your own, like even younger than that. So like, I would, I would think that like all the same things that you would expect from a adult in that kind of society, you would probably expect from someone who's in their late teens. Uh, so I would expect it to just be someone from his clan. I, I, I don't know if it would have been something that would have been a long time relationship because in the, like, Yet again, like he's very bad. He's very much defined by a lot of the traits of his his culture and Goliath culture is really like they don't have a lot of attachments. They don't try to they don't like want to attach themselves to even people that they're really close to because you have to be able to just like hold your own and you're it's it's all about self-reliance. So if anything, it would have been just so. Some nameless Goliath female. <laughs> All right. His tribe. Yeah. What are some of Korat's favorite hobbies or pastimes? Um, he Korath Korath. Uh, he he actually likes. I, it's been mentioned a couple times, but not very. It's not. It hasn't very much played a role. Korath does like cartography he likes kind of exploring and mapping out locations and trying to like see how like see how they tick because like i mean geography like in a lot of ways like to him it's like it, it it's like it's a living breathing thing it moves at a pace that is much different than our own but like even things as as immovable as mountains over over years and years can erode or there can be landslides that change the face of things. So even, even though he would only see the same place every couple of years growing, growing up, um, he, he would see those little minute changes in, in these things that were, that were pretty much, that are pretty much deemed timeless, but those things aren't necessarily timeless by their like actual physical form, but their ideas are. And like they can change, and that's I think I think that's really deep. <laughs> okay, two more questions. Okay, what would Korath's idea of good entertainment be? Consider music. Well, there's no movies, art, things like that. Um, something something you know uh, different than a hobby, right, something right, active right, right, right. happening in front of him. Uh. Korath would probably uh, love interpretive dance. Uh, no. <laughs> that was a joke, or maybe not. No, I think I think he would he would he would like very like percussive music. Maybe there's dancing that goes along to that. You know, the Goliaths might cut loose every once in a while. <laughs> All right, big giant bonfire, dance around it. All right, and then my last question, which is, does Korath? Like himself, does he like who he is? Korath, Korath does. Korath likes himself. Um, he he does. He does expect. He expects more from himself than I think he is capable of at the moment. But I think that's just like part of his journey towards growth as a character. He, because I mean, there's been instances where he doesn't think he just goes. He just steps in, and he often thinks himself more capable than he might be. We've said before, like, it's like, uh, like it's been mentioned like that. Like, it's like, Oh, Korath's the tank. Korath's not really the tank. <laughs> Korath's a heavy hitter. Yes. He can, he can suck up some damage, but like 
when it comes down to it, I think Korath, like, lately, lately, Korath's been, like, going down more than any other other character. Hmm. Aside from maybe Brimley. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that's because he, he, he just, he, like, throws himself in the center, in the center of everything, and I think he, he, he just wants to improve, and maybe that's part of his just, like, nature. He just is always going to try and, like, challenge himself maybe a little bit more than he, he should, but Luckily, at this point in his in his life, he's with like a good group. Group. Just some final ideas in just like one sentence for each one of these. How does how does Korath feel about Windar? <laughs> Korath likes Windar. He and and ever since Windar has kind of been uh, going a little bit more in the route of being a barbarian, uh, Korath kind of can relate with that because in a lot of ways like Korath isn't isn't a barbarian but he he is a like a barbarian in like in his nature uh so he kind of sees a lot of that and i i think i think uh Korath and uh Windar as uh like the <laughs> the the raspy voiced uh members of <laughs> of the group they they sometimes can like sound similar and I don't know. I I think I think Windar and Korath get along pretty well. <laughs> okay. In one or oh, wow, many I, I more that. sentences. I botched that. That's cool. How does Korath feel about Lorthamar? Korath is hesitant about Lorthamar. Okay. That's one sentence. That is one sentence. <laughs> and how does Korath feel about Brimbley? Brimley. Oh, oh, what what to say about Brimley? <laughs> no, uh Brim, Brimley is is um very high-spirited and he's like unlike anything that Korath has kind of like experienced before, not only cuz he's so tiny, but he they they get along and that's 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 all that there is really to it. Okay. I know we we've joked about like, you know, we we joke that they're best friends. I don't know. <laughs> the moment that I you know, I I I feel like Korath and Windar might be a little closer in personality types. Yeah, yeah, I would, um, maybe, I would maybe say that. All right, cool. Uh, but before we close out, is there anything you know? What are you, what are you looking forward to most about season two? You, Alex. Season two, I am really looking forward to seeing um, kind of like what's unraveling with this. The, like the woman in Korath's vision at the at in the in the elemental plane of the wind. I just want to clarify: it's not a woman. It wasn't. <laughs> no. It sounded like a chick. Yeah, no, it was supposed to. It wasn't a woman. It wasn't a woman. Oh, that's why that was so funny. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait for the reveal. <laughs> and Korath's gonna be like, "Wait a minute, you're not a girl. You're a dude." <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Okay, yeah. Uh for next season, I think I'm really looking forward to seeing like kind of getting more information about what that vision was uh that Korath had like those characters uh the the guard that was wearing the red armor, the guy in the black armor, even though I think I have an idea of who that is and the the person that Korath was kind of like in the mind of and how that all works and how that's connected to everything. Uh, I'm and I mean, let's be honest, looking forward to 
smashing a couple more goblins along the way. All right. Splooshing a couple more goblins, but all along the way. Yeah, that correction. Splooshing. Yeah. Heard. <laughs> all right, man. Well, you Korath want to say anything to sign us off? No. <laughs> <laughs> say something. Say something. Okay, okay. Thanks for listening, everybody. To this is gonna hurt a fifth, four, three, two. Fifth edition Dungeons and Dragons Dragons podcast. What's a podcast? All right, thank you. I gotta go. (laughs) All right, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, We will see you in two weeks.